0: Welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Someru. Hey everybody, my guest this week is Dr. Chris Lovejoy. He's a doctor and a data scientist. He studied medicine at the University of Cambridge. He has a big YouTube following and makes videos about machine learning, healthcare, career transitions, productivity, and anything else on his mind you can find the link to his youtube channel in the description of the episode but the reason i'm speaking to chris is that there are plenty of things that you can do in health tech no matter what your background so chris obviously being a doctor by trade he's then found his happiness his passion in now doing data science also a youtube channel talking about as i say machine learning and all sorts of different bits and bobs I hope you enjoy this episode, we're going to do far more around other people than just entrepreneurs in the new year, so I hope you enjoy this. So Chris, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast, how are you doing mate? Uh, Yeah, no, not
1: too bad, not too bad, Uh, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast.
0: You're very welcome my friend, whereabouts are you speaking to us from today
1: Chris? Uh, So right now I'm in North London.
0: um, Oh very nice, are you at home, are you in the
1: office? I'm I'm in my office at home, um, so yeah you've uh, probably been for the last like last eight, eight, <laughs> six months seven six seven eight months yeah. oh my
0: god yeah it's been uh it's been challenging i suppose we were actually just talking off air weren't we about the uh desire to go back into the office to interact with humans it's uh hopefully it's coming
1: yeah no i think um it's definitely hit that point where i would i would very happily uh head into the office and, and just get a bit more a bit more social time oh,
0: definitely mate yeah. are you optimistic about these vaccines that are coming out that are like super effective
1: yeah I mean, so I haven't looked into it in that much detail. I think uh, one of the questions will be around how long the immunity lasts for yeah. um, and I think it probably will be a bit of time as well before we can ramp up production to the point where it has like a, a kind of big impact on on the herd immunity but uh yeah i mean I'm, I'm hopeful that in a certain time frame i don't want to put a number on it but in a certain number of months,
0: <laughs> the... yeah you don't want to make a prediction and be wrong yeah. <laughs> no I I, I I i agree mate the other thing is like how do you practically go about vaccinating the entire population of the uk like yeah. how is that even a th- it's, like it's how do you even really go about doing that? that
1: yeah yeah and I mean, in the it? uk we've got brexit as well which so the, uh, <laughs> double, that's, that's a lot of organizational um, uh things to think about but
0: Oh, we have really shot less, ourselves less, in the that's 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 that's
1: a, that's a tangent let's, let's avoid that one
0: <laughs> <laughs> so many things all the things all right let's get into some health tech mate you've got a pretty interesting background and like i was saying to you just before like i'm really interested in speaking to people that aren't just the founders of massive tech companies which i think has been our bias on the health tech podcast for quite a while um but I'm interested in in conversations now with people that are doing lots of different things in the space. We seem to have matured in the health tech space to include lots more organizations, lots more players. It's far more of an ecosystem, dare I say it, a well overused phrase. But it certainly feels like that far more than when I even started this podcast, to be honest, a couple of years ago. It seems that the space has, has gone a long way in that time. And I think you're definitely very much in that space doing lots of different and exciting things and following a path that i think many are going to take after you which is combining obviously the the, the medicine with in in your case machine learning and all the stuff that you're doing but i suppose for the benefit of me and our listeners mate why don't you tell us a bit about your background and a bit about your story
1: yeah sure so um i initially started at medical school um as probably a lot of listeners did i imagine. Uh, kind of qualified um, to be a doctor in the UK. And since then have been working as a doctor uh, around London and kind of greater London area. And after doing um, about two kind of full years of working as a doctor, I decided that I wanted to spend a bit of time basically building up my skills and understanding of this, this area of data science and machine learning. Um, and I decided a sort of rough roadmap for that would be the first year to do a master's um, in the subject in data science, machine learning, uh, and then to work in a kind of full-time technical role. So that's what I did, uh, starting in, I think it was 2000 and what year was it? Yeah. Uh, 2019, um, mm. was the masters, uh, so started at UCL. Um, and I kind of specifically chose quite a technical masters that wasn't aimed at medics. Um, so yeah, maybe we can mm. go into the kind of rationale behind that a little bit um, later, but essentially, uh, yeah, kind of opted to do one that was run by the computer science at UCL, um, and I'm I kind of was the only the only medical person on the course uh, to my knowledge. Uh, and then uh, now I'm working in a data science role uh, full time, and again in the, with this role, I, I had a few different job offers, um, some of which were medical related and some of which weren't, and I ended up uh, opting for a role that wasn't medically related. Um, and again, that was kind of around the desire to to build these skills kind of more technically and, and see what sort of things we can learn from other industries that can then maybe apply to healthcare. Um, so yeah, I guess it's somewhat of an unconventional route. The plan is is still in the long term to come back to medicine and um, use the skills that I've learned and combine that in some sort of um, kind of medical, clinical capacity. Um, but that, the yeah, the, 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 that part's not <laughs> been written yet or not been decided yet so I guess we'll see we'll see what happens but um that's
0: that's where I am at the moment. Yeah definitely man and I think it's for that reason that I kind of wanted to get you on the podcast. I've seen a, a few bits of content on LinkedIn and you've got your YouTube channel and there's a few bits that I've seen. And I suppose you're you're at the moment in the middle of a story that you will tell at the end which ends up with and then I built this massive company and did this thing or indeed then I went back into healthcare and, and made this change or I did this project and, and this happened. It seems that you're, you're sort of in the middle of the story of your life which is quite cool because and you've, ta- well, and you've taken some really definitive steps here which I think definitely we need to talk about. I think so many people listening will be in in healthcare in some way shape or form they might be clinicians they might be medics they might be nurses they might be physios they might also be on the management side of healthcare but seemingly as interested as you perhaps in technology computer science machine learning ai whatever you want to call it and it seems that you've taken this really definitive step to really step outside of healthcare to learn a different field and to learn it not tied to the field that you're already in and and that's interesting to me it's interesting to me that you you know for example picked the course where you were the only medic and you've picked the job that had absolutely no ties to medicine talk me through that thinking
1: yeah so i mean i think the first thing just to say is that uh you know perhaps that this kind of taking taking this leap from um kind of medicine into the the data science machine learning side of things when I tell it in that way, it can kind of sound a little bit abrupt and maybe a little bit um, kind of like a sudden change. Hmm. The truth is it actually in, in practicality looked a lot more like trying to kind of take what I call like little bets. There's like a book I read uh, a few years back called Little Bets, and it's about how you should just take little bets, um, like small projects in one area, then small projects in another area, and just kind of get feedback on that and see see how that goes. And then if things go well, then that can kind of build up and, and lead to something uh, larger, um, if that makes I like sense. That. So. Um, makes it
0: far less overwhelming
1: yeah definitely so i mean that's what i found so pretty much from to be fair towards the end of medical school when i was working as a doctor i knew that i was interested in i was quite interested in maths, quite interested in coding um and wanted to try and find a way that that could be applied to healthcare um so i started out with various different projects um kind of just did some online courses in python and data science initially and kind of gradually built up and did bigger and bigger projects and then because i enjoyed that so much um it kind of then built up more and more momentum to the point where I could quite confidently say I would love now to take a full year out and just go really deep into this kind of oh, stuff I and, and do a master's um so there was definitely I think there was a bit of momentum behind that and it did t- that took quite a while to build up to be fair because I think I was I was in my first year uh as a doctor when I when I first started doing this sort of stuff and then I started the master's probably a year and a half after that mm. and I would only maybe have had the confidence to do the masters after probably like a year of, of projects and self-study and that sort of thing. Uh, so I mean, cause I do get a fair few people reaching out to me saying, Oh, you know, I'm I'm interested in machine learning. I'm from a medical background. I'm currently on this training pathway or I'm kind of working towards this specialty. Uh, wh- you know, what should I do? And I always kind of recommend for them to do like kind of small projects and do courses and to sort of build that up, um, organically, but, I sometimes feel the, the kind of impression in terms of timelines to, because I say, oh yeah, you know, I, I did this master's and I kind of tell them the sorts of things that was covered on it. And often they'll say something like, oh, wow, like how, how did you kind of suddenly decide to to go and do this? And, and I think, yeah, just the point is that it it wasn't a very sudden process. It, it did take a bit of time to, to kind of build up the skills, build up the experience and build up the confidence that that's what I wanted to do. So really, it's a really good point actually. And it's something
0: that, well, I'm I'm the same as you actually when people like when people ask me uh, how did you take the leap from medicine into into entrepreneurship or into uh, accelerators or into this and, it, and I say the same thing it wasn't a leap it was never a leap even as a medic I was doing quality improvement projects that meant I wrote a business case and I was speaking to technology startups and I suppose I built up so so much network so much knowledge and frankly, as you say, taking little bets on things to just figure out whether you like it or not—you know, do you actually like writing a business case? Does that actually make sense to you? Do you do you get the the thrill and the joy when someone actually goes, "Yeah, we'll do that"? And I suppose those are all the kind of positive affirmations that I was getting on the way through that led me to where I am now. And and I just sort of followed the <laughs> followed the crumbs, I suppose, that, that were being dropped in that sense. And it seems like it was the same for you with with your stuff on on quite a technical level. So where's that? Where's that stuff taking you then? The, the, so the technology, the computer science, the machine learning, where's that taking you to now? And, and I suppose, yeah, how, how did you get there from, uh, from where you've left off the story?
1: Um, so, yeah, I guess my, my current role is a, the official title is like a research data scientist role. Um, so it is pretty technical um, and involves a lot of coding and a lot of analyzing large volumes of data uh, with a kind of more, of a research slant. So it's trying to look at problems from a kind of academically rigorous way, Mm. um, which is maybe different to some of the more industry-based things where the focus is more on just does it work or not and less about the kind of theory behind that. Um, So I think that's another thing that is hopefully a transferable skill that will be helpful Mm. in medicine. And so was that
0: intentional then when you looked at those different jobs within your field, you, you, you thought, I really want to do this one because.
1: Yeah, definitely. That was a selling point um, for this job was the, the nature of the data science for sure, um, and I think also it probably helped me get the job in the first place as well. Given that I have a reasonable amount of academic experience, I mean I've not published loads of papers, but um, I've been involved with quite a few different different um, medical research projects over over the years. Uh, so I think that probably then also helped because um, there's there's an element to which they will have then seen those papers hopefully and, and kind of seen that as a validation of of uh, kind of academic thinking or or being able to take the academic approach to these, these kind of problems. Um, but yeah, that that was definitely one of the things that uh, one of the factors that made this job more attractive.
0: And for people listening in healthcare that what that do want to potentially break into that and and do, as you say, do what you do. I, I take the point it starts with little projects. I want to talk about how you got the job that you're in now. It's one thing doing projects while you're holding onto another branch. It's another Doing a course where you feel secure that you're in education and academia, and you know you've you've got a year or six months or whatever until the next decision you need to make. But then obviously it's about actually putting in put, putting everything that you've learned into practice and and supporting yourself, getting a job, having an income. All those things are very real to somebody that might not be able to plot that path. You know, out of medicine, out of healthcare, whatever it is. How, how did you go about getting the job itself and, and was it easy? Was it difficult? Did you have lots of offers? Tell me about that.
1: So yeah, let me, let me think to some of the details. So, I mean, uh, a lot of it was all the standard things like prepare a CV cover letter, that sort of thing. Um, I think I had been getting advice from people who had somewhat made a kind of leap from medicine or from, from other industries into data science. For the preceding period of time, so I got some bits of advice from them. Uh, one piece of advice was make sure you have at least kind of three good projects on your CV that you can talk about, um, because that's in the technical field. That's like a really good way to demonstrate your skills. Okay. Um, and I think definitely it is helpful to know what sort what are good metrics uh, in different industries. So, for example, I would say if you're going for like an academic medical role, obviously research publications um, is like a popular metric to use. Mm. Whereas if you're going for something more data science, more technical, then actually they're, they're much less interested in that. And they're more interested in, um, what sort of projects have you done? What sort of frameworks did you use within those projects? What were some of the end results for those projects? Um, that sort of thing. So I was given that advice to get at least three under my belts and managed to do that during kind of while working as a doctor. And then, um, I think, yeah, I did some projects as well alongside the masters, which, which I think helped. Uh, so that, that was one element of it. Um, what else in terms of the process of actually going for it, essentially it was thinking of what my top criteria were. So what I wanted to get out of the role were there any particular technologies that I wanted to work with, um, were there certain types of techniques that I wanted to work with and what sorts of companies might be able to um, kind of fulfill those. Then, yeah, I created a, a kind of short list of what sort of project uh, what sort of companies kind of met that um, and spent a fair few time fair amount fair amount of time kind of just scouring job boards and, and having a look for potentially interesting jobs um, because I, I also actually got bored and ended up writing a little kind of program that would find me jobs that might be interesting for me oh, amazing um, which, which was amazing. Uh, I guess it's a little bit meta but yeah that was that's not a project that ended up on my CV but this was just kind of a fun uh, side project um, was to write, write some code that would then find me, find me the jobs. And then I'd go of did it do? those. So basically it just, uh, searched on kind of popular, um, websites like indie.co.uk. I think I LinkedIn, jobs, um, a few other ones, uh, CW jobs, I think is another <laughs> one. And then it just pulled them all into an Excel file and had the key details, uh, had a link to the job. So then I could just pull them all at one with, with like one, uh, one click or one, one, uh, one type. And then, um, just go through the excel and kind of screen things in and out each week but just <laughs> no
0: way.
1: yeah made of things like it was to be fair it was very much like a marginal gain because i really could have just gone on the websites and done it but <laughs> at the time i was kind of i was a bit bored So i thought yeah you know what this could be a fun project and i'll
0: tell you what market that to uh university leavers and similar uh,
1: yeah it could be, could mean, be
0: into yeah. a little business there mate
1: potentially potentially yeah
0: <laughs> very cool um Okay, cool. Yeah, the, the point that I want to get at though is that it's not easy, is it? I think people people often, if you're from healthcare, from medicine, it can be seen as like a really cool thing, a really good thing that you're from health. It, but I think when it comes down to actually getting the job, it's a it's a lot of work. It's a lot of network. It's a lot of writing programs that can find yeah. you jobs. It's a it's a lot of it's a lot of that grind. It's not a given. That, oh, we're from healthcare, therefore you can do this other thing in another industry. And it, and it is difficult and it does take time. And I do just want to, I, I guess, bring that point out for people that, that might be in a similar position that it, it's grind. It is grind to get that stuff, but the rewards are there when you do it. And I'm interested in, I suppose, now what, what you're actually doing in the job and how that might fit into how you think about healthcare now? Do you end up with these thoughts of like, oh my God, I could do all these different things in healthcare when 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 the time comes eventually, maybe one day, or do you think, you know, you're gonna be in this for the rest of your life? What how, how do you see what you're doing now playing out in terms of, I suppose,
1: now and the future? Yeah. So actually just just before I talk about um my kind of current role, there was one thing that you mentioned that reminds me of, of maybe an interesting point, which was that so when I was applying kind of initially on the CVs and the uh, cover letters I was sending out, I was pitching myself as as a medic, um, interested in data science, um, and I found my, my impression was that that was actually kind of a bit of a hindrance. I kind of felt, you know, if I'm applying for a health health tech company in a data science role, that actually the fact that I'm medical it might help. But what I found when I was going through those kind of recruitment processes was that actually I felt like they sort of saw me as a doctor who's kind of trying to do data science, but not yeah, really. okay, oh, interesting. Science. So then I switched it up after maybe like a month or so of, of applications to more of like, I'm a data scientist with a background as a medical doctor. Mm. And then I, I don't know if it's just my impression. It's it's really hard to validate these things, but I think that then was helpful in me being able to get the role because then it's less about me arguing about my clinical skills. It's more, I'm, I'm trying to get this job purely based on my technical skills and here are the projects I've done. And I have a background as a medical doctor, so that gave me some transferable skills. But the actual, the focus is really on this kind of technical stuff I'm interested in.
0: Yeah, it's such a, that is such a good point. And it is... It's framing, isn't it? And it's frame control that you're, you're then perceived and seen as the data scientist. It's almost, you're almost signaling that's how you want to be perceived. I want to be seen as a data scientist first and a medic second. That is such a good point because, you know, if I was after somebody in a data science role that's what i'd want i'd want to want someone who's a data scientist it then just is an interesting point and quite cool that they were a medic once and you can make those inferences and connections as to what you believe the person is like on the back of that but i can i can see and as you say it's difficult to validate but i can see how that how that was a thing if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah because i think it just takes away it takes away the clinical component as kind of the, the argument for the role because yeah if I was going for a data scientist at a health tech company. There's probably not many other people who are applying as a medic the majority will be data scientists yes so i was thinking should oh, you know, maybe yeah, medical, definitely. it should be a differentiator but then actually it shouldn't it shouldn't be the prime thing because they're still assessing you on the data science. yes accuracy. so so yeah that was um was a bit of a shift of perspective and to be fair it was a bit of a shift of a kind of internal perspective as me for me as well because then i was like you know what i am a data scientist like <laughs> i'm not someone <laughs> just <laughs> having my hand like yeah
0: yeah <laughs> no definitely definitely uh, so current role then what are you up to has it changed the way that you think about healthcare
1: yeah so um my my current role uh there's only a certain extent to which i can kind of give details of the sort of projects i'm working on but well that's quite cool for a start (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah it's it's a lot of uh quite long-term projects so the projects within this company are typically like kind of three to six months long um and we use a lot of Kind of large volumes of data so to so a bit more context the this company is kind of in the um kind of commercial commercial sector of analyzing transactions and analyzing sales data okay um so essentially what we do is there might be a company like coca-cola or tesco or procter and gamble says um you know we'd be interested to understand what sort of things customers are interested in what sort of things they don't like uh how we can you know, arrange our products, how can we um, maybe do promotions on our products, how, what sort of products are people interested in that we should make mm. more available, and, and these sorts of questions. And so then they'll come to us, and we will have access to all these kind of transactions that have been done over, well, that they have on record, essentially, uh, which, as you can imagine, like every single sale of Coca-Cola amounts to a pretty, pretty large number of sales. <laughs> so... That's interesting from a technological point of view because then there's all these um we have to use what's called distributed computing and there's all, all this kind of different extra technical challenges around it which again was something that i, I was you know kind of draw me to this role um but what my what my day today will involve is uh so we'll, we'll have kind of the odd meetings to discuss sort of strategy for the current projects and maybe different elements we've been struggling with or different directions we want to go with the project and then pretty much most of the day, I would say around 80% of my time, it's pretty much I'm left up to my own devices and I am writing code to extract this data, to analyze it, um, to kind of build the next part of whatever platform it is that I'm working on um, mm. to yeah, essentially meet an end goal as defined by one of these clients.
0: So I can see how all that information that you've just given is... Frankly, absolutely nothing to do with healthcare. And so I can kind of see perhaps why you've gone for a role that is nothing to do with it, because seemingly you're developing a technical expertise that is so independent of that. And I suppose my question here is that in the learning that you're doing at this new company, seeing how things are working, seeing how yeah, seeing how things are working. Has that changed the way that you view healthcare when you think back? You know, those couple of years as a doctor, the, the the processes and systems that you've seen, is does it make you think about the way that healthcare is run and set up and things that could change?
1: So I don't know the extent to which it's kind of drastically changed things. It's definitely reinforced some of the kind of previous perceptions that I had. So I think one of the big limitations in healthcare when it comes to building data science applications is around kind of data access and data structure um, and kind of the homogeneity of of data between different trusts um, and this interoperability kind of issues. That, it's kind of reinforced that in a sense that I've seen what's what's possible if you have that kind of data set that is like well integrated, that is, you know, um, structured in exactly the same way everywhere. And you get these huge data sets that you can do so much cool stuff with, which really is, is just a lot, lot harder in, in healthcare because obviously data is kind of siloed in different hospitals and you want to try and find a way to build up bigger data sets, but you have all these different interoperability issues between different hospitals. And, um, yeah, so it's definitely reinforced that sort of challenge. Yeah. Um, it sounds like
0: um, almost that um, <laughs> it sounds like almost you – You've, you, you can now really appreciate the difficulty, I suppose, in collecting that data in any meaningful way and at scale and cleaning it and all the rest of it. It seems that the, the knowledge of, of the data science now has led you to that point, perhaps.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think um, it has shown me a bit about what a kind of well-functioning architecture looks like in terms of where you store the data, how to process it, what some of the important factors are kind of around that which mm. I haven't seen present in healthcare. I'm sure there are kind of pockets where, where it is like that, but yeah, it's been, that's been really helpful. So I think it's given me a good sort of framework in my mind that then in the future, when I come back to healthcare, I will be able to, well, hopefully I'll be able to see, you know, how we can improve things and how we can structure our data and make it queryable yeah. and this sort of thing.
0: And that is super interesting that you obviously have a view at one point at some point in your life in the future that that you might end up back in healthcare. Did you come into this thinking that that was always going to be the case with a view to doing it and doing years of learning here before going back? What, how did you approach that? As I say, was it always something that you thought of doing or is it something that you're that you're in it now and you're like, oh, it could now be used and, and going back?
1: Yeah, I think going into it i kind of deliberately didn't commit either way yeah um because part of me as well i just didn't i didn't want to mentally commit to leaving medicine because yeah. that, that would have made it like a really big overwhelming decision of like i'd never want i'm never gonna be a doctor again uh and even now like the thought of never working as a doctor again kind of feels a bit odd or, or um a bit weird you know because, what, mate?
0: i i yeah. totally agree. even even now for me i don't shut the door on it i've rescinded mm-hmm. my license i haven't practiced in four or five years like It'd be in, insanely difficult for me to go back. But, but I, yeah, I totally, I, I am totally with you on that. That like, is so real to me that like shutting the door on it completely mm. just feels so alien because it was just such a big part of my life and ambition yeah. and who I was. And as you know, you know, identity as a doctor, like yeah, personal yeah. and professional, it's just, there's no line. And it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one that.
1: Definitely. No, I definitely think the identity thing is big. Like, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't consider myself somebody who being a doctor is like a really strong part of my identity, but no matter what you you do, like, I still kind of, yeah, I still feel like, you know, I I am a doctor. Like, that's kind of a big part of who I am, even if I didn't necessarily set out to be thinking, oh, you know, this is like, I, I want to be a doctor kind of, uh, yeah, as a big, big plan. But, um, yeah, it's a weird one. So, even, I mean, even now, sometimes, uh, as people who know that i'm kind of like i'm a doctor by background and they'll be like oh you're a doctor right can i ask you actually this question yeah <laughs> um yeah and obviously depending on what they ask i'll kind of either give some sort of generic advice or kind of deflect it to some extent yeah um, <laughs> but uh yeah it's,
0: yeah it's, it's funny because some people say to me um because uh, i because i say oh i'm not a doctor anymore and they say well you, you always are right once you've mm-hmm. been one you always are and I, I was like yes that that is really interesting that 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 perhaps is other people's perception because I guess it's it's kind of my own too that I do I do still feel like I could be one <laughs> like I don't want to shut the door on it completely no matter how much health tech I do it's it seems that I don't know I, I enjoy I enjoy having that as a grounding I enjoy having that as my credibility I enjoy the fact that I can talk with real conviction as to what happens on the ground floor of healthcare, which makes me better in health tech.
1: Um yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, still, I wonder to what extent it's it's kind of tied in the fact that traditionally when people trained as a doctor, like that was kind of the career they did for their whole life, which yeah, point. there's been a little bit of a shift away from that. I mean, I think still probably the majority of cases, that is how yeah. things go. But because there's more and more people doing these kind of perimedical sorts of roles. I wonder if what, a, a, what a term it. that is. Love that <laughs> yeah.
0: perimedical. Yeah. role. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll see. We'll see. No, totally, totally. Um, so other things that you're doing at the moment include your YouTube channel and bits mm. of content that I've seen on there and LinkedIn. What are you? What are you looking to do with your YouTube channel? I've got an inkling, but I'm interested to hear like your views on your YouTube channel and what you're trying to get out there. Yeah. So.
1: Kind of the initial motivation behind um, kind of YouTube and and writing blogs as well, which have kind of gone alongside that, was partly to kind of document my journey, partly to help other people who are sort of looking at getting into the space, but maybe aren't sure the best way to do it, or what sort of resources to use, or what what sort of areas to focus on as a medic. Um, so I kind of wanted to address those areas. Uh, then I had people kind of reaching out asking me to sort of explain. Specific machine learning concepts to them, um, which then gave me the idea of making something that just gives an introduction to machine learning That's slightly less technical than what's out there. Yeah, um, because I learned from like Andrew Ung and uh, some other courses like Fast.ai AI and various courses which all go pretty technical uh, but I was comfortable with that because it was already pretty high up on my priority list of going deeper into this area. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of medics who aren't in that position who maybe want to kind of dip their toe in it, but haven't quite got that far yet as, as to, um, you know, having done a project or done a course. So I wanted to make something that's a bit more accessible. Um, so then that made me, uh, kind of come up with this idea of running, running courses. Um, so I ran courses, basically like one day courses on machine learning for healthcare, um, initially ran them in London. And then when COVID hit, I recorded that as a, online kind of series of videos, oh, that's awesome. um, which I kind of released over the summer. And yeah, I mean, the motivation behind that side of things is just to kind of re- reduce the barrier of entry, um, to people who are thinking about machine learning, don't really know where to start. Um, don't know whether it's worth it. Um, and yeah, I guess using an analogy from earlier, like help people to take a little bet in this direction without it needing to be a bigger bet of, of doing a full project or yeah. doing, doing quite a technical course. Um, so that was the motivation behind that Uh, and going forward with the YouTube there's a couple of different sort of ideas I have for things that might be helpful Um, because right now I'm doing a lot of work on building my technical skills I'm thinking I'm going to make some videos um, a bit more about kind of like projects that I've worked on and technical skills that I found more useful to, to learn and like maybe a bit of kind of meta stuff about how to learn technical skills, like how, how to learn coding efficiently. And that that's yeah, interesting. Thing. Um, because again, that could help with medics, um, kind of getting into it and maybe it could help people from other industries as well who just want to get into the area. Uh, and another sort of related project, which kind of links up with the sort of content that I'm making on YouTube and in blogs, uh, which is a project that myself and a couple of the guys are working on called explain this paper um which is oh, i've seen this yeah so uh yeah it's explainthispaper.com is the website um and basically what we're doing there is just summarizing medical papers in simple yeah. terms is the idea um is it automated is the code behind it it's not so at the moment we're not um there's no because that has been a, a challenge for a reason. long time yeah for people yeah summarizing yeah. scientific papers i know for a fact a load of people have tried yeah. it yeah yeah and i think there's a there's a few that i'm aware of who are kind of still working on that and i guess yeah um there's even like drug discovery companies who kind of try and extract uh like i know for example like benevolent ai kind of try and extract data from papers that have been published and use that to predict drug molecules and that yeah. sort of thing um i think for my for my feeling there is some scope to, to be summarizing papers kind of auto, in an automated way. But what, yeah, I, I just think from a technical point of view, we're a bit off what we're trying to achieve, which is yeah. make the papers like as easily readable as possible. So we are very much making it with the end user in mind of got it. W- what would make this like the easiest to read and kind of a uh, Mustafa um, or Musti, I think, I think, who I think you, you know, yeah. uh, who's, um, He's, he's working on this he says you know we should just make it as easy as reading your whatsapps like yeah. you know obviously you have medical papers they use all this jargon they're, they're pretty long and yeah. um, quite drawn out but could we get it to the point where it's a bit like reading a whatsapp like you just kind of log on to paper.com, uh you know you check check the latest paper summary and you're like oh okay cool so this paper looked at that and this is what it found um so yeah love so, so love it so, it seems
0: that your projects are very centered around education it seems that teaching and and explaining things to others distilling messages into simple ways these are all themes that that seem to be surrounding you which is quite cool which means that obviously from a from a, a content creator perspective you're uh, you, well you, you're in it to win it basically because if you're pushing out content that's just valuable to others you're not really selling anything yes you have the course but even that is helping people to distill their messaging and, and, or, or sorry to, um, it's distilling the messaging and machine learning and helping them to understand it and all that sort of stuff. So it seems that, you know, education's a, education's a big one for you. And, and yeah, I, that's the way that you get a big audience, mate, giving value.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely. I think that's fair to say, like, I, I do really enjoy uh, kind of education. Um, and I see it as a kind of two way thing because for me, I find it really helpful, actually, to, to kind of try and distill these concepts um, and try, and, you know, get to the essence of what is it about machine learning being applied to healthcare, or, or what is it about this specific paper? Like, what is it that they yeah. So, the act of actually trying to summarize that and trying to put that in a form that then is easily digestible um, mm. is really helpful for me. Uh, and then, yeah, if you can then kind of share that in a, in a public domain and that can be helpful for people, then it's really a big win-win. So, um, definitely. Yeah, that's that's something. I love that man, and
0: it's uh, you know in a really weird way, it's so similar to what 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 I'm doing at the minute. You know, helping even when we help companies with distilling their messaging, it's like what is it about this company that is really good? Who is that for? What is the one sentence killer value proposition? Actually, in the process of distilling that stuff down and defining it in as simple terms as possible that's where you get the gems. That's where you learn the stuff. And that's, you know, the exercise where we really get to know somebody is, is, is doing that and trying to make it as simple as possible. So I can completely see how it possibly probably makes you better at your job by trying to do that quite often when you come up with new concepts. And if you want to learn something new, if you try and teach, it's what they say all the time. You If you try and teach someone to do something, it's probably the best way of learning it. Because as you say, you have to do all that sort of stuff. Um, And it's quite and it's rewarding, right? It's it's nice when people get in touch with you and and say that they learned something from what you did or they've taken some value or all the rest of it. It's it's for me anyway, it's it's really yeah. fueling when that happens. And yeah. I don't know, it it it, it can be it can be hard you know pushing out regular consistent content that's audio visual written social like it's it's hard sometimes and sometimes you don't want to do it and something you know life gets in the way and all that sorts of stuff but yeah I get it when you're educating people yeah. it, it really does add that fuel when people get in touch I'm I'm really interested actually on um, I guess what what is the level of interest in this from the medical community at the moment and and I mean like in machine learning and that side of things and people looking to learn it because you're very much in that community. Yeah. Is is there, is there lots of interest for, I don't know, med students, young junior doctors, is, is there a lot of interest now to diversify because it's something that we preach on this podcast a lot that I think is a really good idea. I would love to see dual accredited machine learning experts and medics and that side or any clinician, in fact, you know, I'd, I'd love to see that because I just think it'd foster so many ideas with people with a different expertise that descended upon healthcare. And it wouldn't have to be machine learning. It could be any sort of computer science or data science or engineering or, you know, electronics, whatever it is. I do just think like creating this cohort of people that had different skills on the ground floor of medicine to make such a difference, but I'm interested
1: in the appetite, I suppose, and what you've seen. Yeah. So I would say, my general impression is that there is there's definitely a fair amount of appetite in there, uh, like or out there. are should say there's a lot of appetite out there. Um, I I do get quite a lot of messages from people, typically either medical students or some sort of junior doctor, um, a varying kind of level stages of their of their training, just saying essentially you know I'm interested in machine learning. Where should I get started? Yeah. Um, so that's probably the most common thing that I see. Uh, so there's definitely interest. The question is how how many people are kind of going further with it or going kind of deeper into it. And that what I think is harder to assess. Um, I do know quite a few people who, you know, will reach out and they've done, they've done at least something I've done. They've done some courses, they've done a project or they've, um, you know, done an internship or something like that, which suggests that some people are going kind of more into it. And I think typically on the medical student side, I've seen a fair fair few people who've done internships, got involved in academic paper um, and this sort of thing. So, There is definitely interest. I think one of the limiting things at the moment is that, as you say, it would be great if people could get dual accredited in medicine and and data science. But right now there really isn't a clear pathway for that. I think there's a lot of people who are medics who kind of have this interest in informatics and in data science and maybe are kind of like technically or mathematically inclined, but there's, there's not a clear pathway. Um, There is, there's PhDs. there's, There's a lot of like kind of AI for healthcare PhDs that have popped over the last few years but there's not really kind of training pathway um, or even accredited courses uh, in this space. I do know, so in in the UK, there's um, the faculty of clinical informatics and I know they are looking at establishing something like this kind of more accreditation around health informatics and data science. Um, But we're still, we're still pretty early days in that. Mm. Um, But yeah.
0: Nice. Before we wrap up,
1: mate, I just want to ask
0: you then, with your view, uh, with both of your hats on the medical hat and the data science hat, where is machine learning? going to make big changes in healthcare do you think and it's a really broad question Mm. where do you see that happening short medium long term and yeah talking to indra joshi on the phone call literally just before this actually it is happening right now there are companies that have been given plenty of money from the center that are ready to go to market that you know already are at market they they are uh, in a couple of sites that are doing this that are ready to scale it seems that it is happening right now but where where do you see it making the either the most of the yards or indeed the hard yards what's your, what's your view on it on the
1: on the ground floor of healthcare at the moment?
0: Yeah so I think
1: the first thing I'll say is it's still to me it still feels fairly early days and we're seeing kind of early evidence of of kind of strong applications in healthcare but it's not entirely clear exactly what sort of direction it's going to go in and and where it's going to end up really making a big impact. Some of the things that I've seen that I think are pretty interesting are um, a lot of kind of isolated use cases around diagnostic uh, support or for screening and and improving screening pathways, um, often involving kind of imaging at the moment. So things like, you know, radiological based things, uh, screening for breast cancer, ophthalmology, screening for retinal disease, um, and... Kind of improving those pathways. I think there's definitely there's definitely scope there um, for multiple different kind of isolated applications and isolated points in the patient pathway. Um, and and there have been some really interesting studies within the last 12 months or so. Um, kind of people like Google Health have, have published quite a few, um, you know, really interesting papers. Uh, one of the issues around this, I think, is is around kind of monetization. I think that's something that has not really been solved yet. Um, I know we we saw in the US, um, I read about the first kind of monetizable in Obamacare um, AI innovation was kind of secured a couple of months ago uh, for Viz.ai and their stroke detection. Oh, yeah. um, but that was kind of like the first time that something's been approved and there's a business model um, kind of supporting it. So that's that's going to be interesting to see, like how, how do these tools that get developed, which um, in, in the literature look, look really great. They're, they're doing some kind of really interesting stuff and, and showing good levels of accuracy and good performance metrics, um, how they're then going to be monetized and then kind of scaled up. Uh, I think another area that's interesting, a couple of areas that are interesting, uh, one is around um, kind of like workflows and optimizing, um, optimizing kind of maybe the more non-clinical stuff. So scheduling theater operations, um, clinic bookings, Uh, maybe using risk scores to decide how frequently people need to be seen and and that sort of thing. I think there's a lot of scope there and some of the limitations are not as strong in that area because there's less reliance on clinical data. There's less reliance on um, kind of large scale, large scale um, kind of volumes of data. Yeah. So there's definitely cool stuff in that space. Uh, Yeah. And and another one I would say um, is actually a bit more upstream. So a lot of, Uh, things around like drug discovery and bioinformatics and understanding disease. Um, There's a lot of potential of machine learning there. I think in the drug drug discovery space, it's not been fully realized. There's been a few kind of interesting early cases Mm -hmm. where drugs have been accelerated um, and it's thought that machine learning kind of played a role in in that drug being developed quickly. But um, again, yeah, it's still early stage. So it's still to be seen, but those are just a kind of few, I think, um i could talk definitely about that for a cool, while but uh, yeah, could,
0: we, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> we'll we've still, had a, yeah. we had a couple of drug discovery companies on this podcast actually and um oh, yeah it's fascinating how they talk about the the art of drug discovery mm-hmm, as much as the mm-hmm. science and how the how the art is then ended up coded into the 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 drug discovery algorithm and it's it's based on different people's perception of beauty and you can code be like someone's perception of beauty is coded in like oh, wow. it's all it's crazy stuff yeah. but it's it's really cool i'll try and dig out the episode and ping it to you um it's wonderful yeah, really it it. but yeah it was, it was it was really cool um oh, but yeah dude we run out of time like i could talk to you for ages on this but um i'm just going to ask you to to sum up a bit about yourself a bit of all the bits that that you've got going on I think it's, it, it's just from my point of view, I think it, you're just a really good example of somebody that has followed what they enjoyed, diversified their skill set, given themselves loads of options within healthcare and data science, the options of combining the two. Uh, I think there's so much that, that you are going to go on to do, not least because of the strength of the content you put out. I think your YouTube channel is awesome. The content you put out, just educating people on the space is awesome it's selfless you know you're just trying to educate people on the space i really have a lot of time and respect for that um and yeah i look forward to the content dude but if you could close us out with um just a bit of a summary of all the bits you're up to and any asks that you might have of our audience and uh, we can leave it there buddy but thank you for coming
1: on okay no uh, th- thanks a lot and thanks for having me on thanks for all the kind words i uh, really appreciate it um i guess yeah in summary the main sorts of uh things i'm doing at the moment are uh, explain so feel free to check that out if you'd be interested in kind of seeing the latest research papers summarized in plain english uh machine learning for healthcare course available on youtube if you just search like chris lovejoy machine learning you'll probably find that on youtube um uh, and then yeah i guess there's the the blog uh newsletter so i write a newsletter if you go on chrislovejoy.me www.chrislovejoy.com uh, ME then that will have the kind of newsletter there and any blogs um so I think if you're interested in tech and healthcare um and maybe getting into that space uh, if you're coming from a medical backgrounds then hopefully there'll be some stuff there of interest to you so feel free to check that out um, and thanks James it was really great talking to you thanks Chris appreciate it